From Sales Loft Podcast, it's No Nonsense Sales with your tour guide through the alphabet wilderness of sales jargon, Tom Boston. Well, we are over halfway through the alphabet of sales nonsense, and thank you for tuning in and joining us on this journey. If you're a new listener, that's what people say, don't they? If you're a new listener, this is the show where we take a piece of sales nonsense and we try to figure out what it actually means. And if you're not new to the show, if you're an old listener, welcome back. Good to see you. How have you been? Thanks for sticking with us. This week's phrase, it's a numbers game. If you're in sales, you might have heard that one from your manager. Right, everybody, back on the phones. I want to hear smiling and dialing. Remember, it's a numbers game. The more you do, the more you'll sell. Get on the phones. Salespeople are in a position nowadays to make more touch points to their prospects than ever before. But with great power comes great responsibility. Just ask Spider-Man. I didn't see my success as a seller at Sales Loft by having a very high amount of sales activity. Yeah, too right, I can hear my old manager saying when he hears this. He was too busy messing about on LinkedIn. Because modern sales shouldn't be centred around extremely high amounts of activity. And I believe using a multi-channel process to do that, combined with a strong social presence in the form of a personal brand, is the best way to sell. You won't have to play the numbers game anymore. You can focus on doing what you do best. What sellers do best? Making meaningful connections. Now, my guest this week is all about meaningful connections. You might have seen her online talking all things sales emails. I asked her what her mission statement was before we recorded and she said it was to stop sellers making all the stupid mistakes that she made in her 18 years as a salesperson. I loved her honesty. Jen Allen heads up community growth at Lavender. She's on the show to give her insights on why salespeople shouldn't play the numbers game. She claims that deals aren't being lost to competitors, but actually just ending up as a no decision. Why do you think that so many deals end with a no decision? Yeah, so I think the reason is because what we are asking buyers to do is scary as hell, right? We're in an economy right now where all you hear are things, talk of layoffs and budget cuts and restructures and shutting down. And then we as salespeople are saying, I want you to go Amidst all of that, raise your hand to your CFO and say, I want to spend some money. Like That is uncomfortable. And so when you look at buyers and when you look at how they engage in the sales process, they may be nodding their head all along the way with you. Like, yes, we have this problem. Yes, it sucks. Yes, you have a much better way of solving it. But then you get to that, that pivotal moment where they now have to go and ask for money or get all these other people on the bus who this solution affects. And it's like, it's a day of reckoning, right? It's like, actually, how bad is this problem? Maybe the problem's okay. Cause it's compared to going and doing all that work. It's actually maybe not that bad. And so I saw this all the time in my deals. You'd get these head nods, you get these people that were so excited about buying and then they'd fall off at the end. Sometimes we're lucky enough and they tell us a lot of times they just ghost. And I think, and again, what I'm hearing from you there is a lot of the times they'll, they'll tell us. And is that the key then? Is it is it about, look, let's be completely honest with each other from, from day one so that we don't have those deals that, like you say, kind of fall off a cliff or worse, we, we never see them ever again. Yeah, I love this question because I think it comes down to how we show up as a salesperson, right? So there's this 
school of thought that a salesperson is there to convince people to buy something. And I think if that is your motion and that is your mindset, you are never going to have, or it's unlikely that you're going to have a very honest conversation with your buyer because it, it's like your motivation is to sell a thing. But if we approach that and say, hey, I'm going to think like someone who sits inside of your business, Mr. Customer, Mrs. Customer, and I'm going to look at these problems from the perspective of how would this impact what we're trying to get done? And what is it costing me to do this? And so I bring that to the sales conversation and I say, forget about the solution. Let's first start with the problem and let's have an honest conversation around how big is this problem relative to all the other stuff that's going wrong here. And let me help you think through if this is even the right problem to solve. And I think when we enter into a sales conversation in that way, it changes the whole tonality of it. And to your point, it sets us up actually have an honest conversation because our motivation is the problem, not the solution at that stage. I love that. Yeah. So simple, right? Just honesty is the best policy <laughs> and yeah, not trying to convince someone to, to do something. I think that's like the, the cliche or that kind of stereotypical thing we think about in sales where, well, actually, uh, you know, I'm trying to sneakily do something here that maybe you don't even need, right? But I'm going to try and convince you. It's just the worst way to to approach Rude. it. Um, so, so speaking of um, terrible ways to approach sales, <laughs> um, it's, um, it's one of the it's one of the very fundamentals of this podcast, right? Looking at all those cliches and all those kind of phrases that go around, and the one that this episode is about is that classic phrase it's a numbers game, right? Which for me basically sums up as the more activity you do, the more deals that you'll close. Simple, right? What would you say to someone who's who would say that, yeah, sales is simple and you just need to do as much as you can? I would say marketing, go back to your spreadsheets and stop giving me commentary on selling. And I'm kidding. I'm in marketing now. I went to the dark side. They're not all bad, but I would say that's an absolute joke, right? Like think about what we are what we are doing as salespeople. We are reaching out to complete strangers and asking for their most precious commodity, which is their time. And it's something they have very, very little of, right? So yes, could I send 800,000 emails that all talk about me and why I'm so great and why you should work with us and all of our customer logos and maybe a bullet hits a bullet? Sure. But if you look at the numbers, right, 3% of the market on average is shopping for the services that you supply. If we are all trying to compete for that 3%, I mean, at best, what do we get? Like 1%, less than 1%. I just, those numbers, I think even when people say it's a numbers game, I think if you actually sit down and do the math, you realize the math makes no sense. So if I'm asking someone for their most precious commodity, which is their time, I sure as hell can spend a little bit of time on the back end being thoughtful about why I'm asking for their time. And is this even the right person? Is it the right account? And not just saying, hey, it's a good logo. It's got all these like demographic check marks around like big sales team and, you know, recognized company name, but going deeper than that and saying, why would this person give up that time for me? So I am absolutely in that camp of it's not about numbers. It is about being intentional and thoughtful about what we are asking and how we are asking it of our customers. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I think that kind of spray and pray mm. approach to, to <laughs> selling, which I again is something I uh, I hate, is uh, it's it's gone right. It's not kind of hoping for the best. And yeah, like you said, hundreds of hundreds of activities and just kind of seeing what happens. Oh, surely someone someone will will will, will buy this, right? 
Uh, there must be someone out there. Like um, so I want to. My twenties and thirties, I'm just swiping, me like someone out there. So. Yeah. yeah, very, very, very similar. Yeah. If I just do this long enough, <laughs> we'll we'll get we'll get there. Now, uh, mm. I want to I want to talk specifically about emails. Obviously, super relevant to kind of what you're doing now. Let's talk about sales emails, right? And, and I think I might know the answer to this question. But if we look at quantity over quality, where do you lie? And, and let's really delve into what what makes a good sales email, right? Yeah, so quality all day, unsurprisingly. Um, I think for me, I like like many things in sales, I made every mistake in the book when it came to emails. Like I thought there was a point in time where I'm like, if I just flash all the great logos that we work with, surely everyone's gonna be like, who's this company? I want to work with them. What I failed to appreciate and what I wish more sales organizations would actually do for early career sellers is show them what the sea of emails looks like in their inbox. Like I remember the first time our head of sales was like, I'm going to screen share my inbox and I'm going to show you all the outreach I get. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, these really nifty things that I think are unique are not unique at all. And in fact, they're the same motions that everybody else is using. And I think a lot of times we as sellers, we don't have that context. And so when it comes to a great email, in my opinion, the email is all about the buyer. It's making an observation about what they're trying to achieve. And then it's adding to the conversation instead of just taking. And what I mean specifically is saying, Let's say you, you know, you look at the company and you see that the CEO just acquired another organization because they want to increase share of wallet with customers. But the company they acquired has a very different set of products and services. So let's say it was like Caterpillar and they were used to selling physical equipment and now they've just acquired like an AI service. I have a hypothesis that a seller in Caterpillar is going to have a hard time selling a fundamentally different type of product, right? Not a physical product, but a service. And so I can bring that hypothesis and I can say, hey, I saw your CEO talking about how important this acquisition was to increase share of wallet. Curious, and I know people hate that word, but I think if you use it, not just for the sake of using it, it can, can play well. Curious, have you ever considered how difficult it might be for your sellers to make that shift from selling a physical product to a service? Worked with a couple other companies who face that as well. Would love to share more about what we've learned. Either way, congrats on the acquisition. Great news. Like, I don't want to be some desperate, like, weirdo coming and being like, you need our product and you have this problem. And the tonality of that, I think, is really off-putting. But I think if you bring that level of true curiosity and genuine focus on what their business is doing, I think more often than not, even if it's not the right fit, someone will say, I see you trying. I'll at least give you a response to be like, you're, you're off the mark, but nice try. Yeah, I think that a lot of sellers who will hear that might look at their outbox and think, am I just taking here or am I adding to the conversation? And I do love what you said there. I worked with someone years ago who would often use a two-word question, which stuck with me, so what? Right? Ah. And I always, I always think about that, right? When you're using these big name logos and you're, you're getting in touch with people, well, so what? Like, why is that relevant to me, what I care about, kind of what, what I'm doing? So, um, yeah, my, my final question is all about improving reply rates. But I think we kind of touched on that already. Um, but if there's anyone kind of listening who goes, okay, yeah, I want to add to the conversation. I understand that I need to stand out in that really full inbox. But what's a really quick way for me to get 
a good a good reply rate going? How can I actually start the ball rolling on a conversation? What what would your top tip be? Tom, it's lavender. Duh, it's lavender, right? I think part we a lot of us sellers, we know the right thing to do. Like I don't think it's as much of an awareness problem. It's just it's so easy to get sucked into bad behaviors, right? Like I consider myself to be a decent writer. But sometimes when I'm writing emails, I start getting real wordy or I start using my big fancy words and I'm trying to impress them. And I think one of the reasons I came over to Lavender is because it was truly one of the the only products that I saw where I said, man, if I if I use this well, I can see an immediate return on how many more emails I'm getting re- positive responses to. And so for me, even though I'm someone who likes writing, I think I'm pretty decent at it. I've been selling for a long time. I still fall into bad behaviors. So I think it's important to have something that interrupts that to say, hey, your subject line sucks. Your email is too long. You're not personalizing it so that we don't fall into kind of what we started the conversation around status quo behaviors of this is how I've always done it. Would have been a nice moment for me to reveal a lavender sweatshirt. I know you've got the, like you've got the, the, the sales love sweatshirt on there. Um, I, I think that I think that's great and a bit of a shameless plug, but I'll really? uh, I'll let I'll let that I'll let that one slide. <laughs> so uh, I uh, I want to end this podcast as I do with every episode with a pump up song. It's the song that you'd play to get yourself excited for a cold calling session or maybe hitting those emails, right? Um, can you share the song that you've chosen and the reason why you've chosen it? Um, I am 41 years old and I am unafraid to admit that I'm a massive Justin Bieber fan. So my song is Justin Bieber, but the remix with Usher somebody to love because that's really what we're doing when we're prospecting isn't it we're just looking for someone to give our love to what a beautiful message <laughs> and uh i i look i look forward to ruining those wonderful <laughs> lyrics with my with my dulcet tones but jen thank you so much for joining me on the no nonsense sales podcast appreciate your time thank you for having me this is a blast So kind. This one is for all the believers out there. Somebody to love. Featuring Usher. I just need somebody to love. I don't need too much. Just somebody to love. Somebody to love. I don't need nothing else. I promise, girl. I swear. I just need somebody to love. Justin Bieber sort of, on the No Nonsense Sales podcast to hear that track in full as it was actually meant to sound, check out the No Nonsense Sales playlist, which is now available on Spotify. And don't forget, of course, to subscribe to the No Nonsense Sales podcast on your favourite podcast player or by visiting salesloft.com slash podcast.